because what Acts is saying to you and me is that God wants to blow heaven's wind in your life so that the sail of your life takes on the inertia of his kingdom power. Amen. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And so that you will do things that you couldn't do on your own strength and go places that you could not go on your own power and see God accomplish and do things that no human could do in and of themselves. God wants your life to be defined as powerful or to flip it around the other way, full of power. And that's what we see in the story in the book of Acts. And so we're gonna, we're gonna look today in chapter two, one of the great moments in, hist- in, this, in the history period, um, not just the history of the church, certainly that, but also one of the great moments in the history of humanity <laughs> and in the history of the kingdom of God. And so I know we've spent some time in, in Acts two already, but we're gonna kind of look at the other um, part of the chapter now. And so just to do a, a quick catch up, if you don't know about the book of Acts. It follows the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's written by Luke, who also wrote Luke's Gospel. And Acts is the account of what happened to the people of God after the resurrection of Jesus. In chapter one, Jesus is alive and he's appearing to people and he's clarifying our mission. And we see this in chapter one, verse three. Notice this verse with me. It says, after the sufferings of his cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to these same apostles over a 40-day period, proving to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. And during these encounters, he taught them the truths of God's kingdom. Now, I just want to put a footnote right there so that you'll have something rational to wrap your faith around if you're a thinking person this morning. Jesus wasn't just placed in a tomb on Friday and then somehow, you know, a hoax was concocted on Saturday and the body was stolen or some kind of, you know, sham was pulled and then there was a mirage on the horizon and one person saw it and said, I think Jesus is alive. That's not what happened. No, Jesus, after the resurrection, he hung around in town for 40 days so that many, many people could see him, not just a select few, not just this little secret society. It wasn't that three guys, you know, decided to start something called Christianity. No, for 40 days, Jesus is a walk around. He said, hey, how are you doing, right? You know, good, good. Do you, do you have time to talk? Yeah, I've got, I've got time to talk because I'm going to be here for 40 days. I want to meet a lot of people. I want young people to see me. I want old people to see me. I want people on the east side of town to see me. I want people on the west side of town to see me. I want for people that have never even heard of me to see me because the faith that has been uh, born is going to have legs and the legs are going to be the eyewitness testimonies of this multitude of people that are seeing him. And so I want us to think about that for a moment. This is important because Acts isn't happening hundreds of years later. It's happening days later after the resurrection of Jesus. And Acts couldn't have happened. It it could have not been written and and wouldn't have survived for a year had there not been many, many, many eyewitnesses who said, it's true, I saw him with my own eyes. I saw him with my own eyes. So today we're not camping out on some sort of, you know, mysterious behind the curtain secret society faith that, you know, people who purported a resurrection from the dead. We're talking about someone who walked around on the planet for 40 days, giving many, many, many people the opportunity to see up close the power of his resurrection. So not only was Jesus proving, if you will, that he was the son of God and he was alive from the dead, he was also clarifying. So in the very next few verses, we see Jesus say, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift that I told you about, the gift that the Father had promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then later he says, this is our key text for this series. So if you could stand with me this morning, if you are able to, we're just going to honor the reading of his word as as we open up. This is what it says. I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with what? Power. You will be my messengers to Jerusalem throughout Judea, which is the surrounding area. The distant provinces, those are our our neighbors that we, we don't get along with, mainly over racial tensions. And then he says, even to the remotest places on earth. And how is it going to happen? It says it's going to happen by the power of Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you um, for 
you're the gift of the Holy Spirit that you've given us here now in this place today. God, we just ask that um, we just continue that prayer. Just move in this place. Do what only you can do. Fresh wind, fresh anointing. Father, we want to be different as a result of being here. So do that miracle this morning. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. And amen. All right. Thank you. You can be seated. So there's something powerful about wind right? Deanna was talking about it. We, we know this in the Midwest, right? We've experienced it. And that was one of the descriptors on the day of Pentecost. It came in like a mighty rushing wind. And so again, you know, we, we live in the Midwest. We've, we've like stood into the wind and had it hold us up, right? We've experienced it. I've, I've personally, Deanna and I have personally been on a motorcycle ride where how many of you have seen the signs when you're going out of town um, towards uh, Reptile Gardens where it says high crosswinds, okay? I've experienced those high crosswinds. We've experienced those high crosswinds. We, Deanna always likes uh, to go out bike week and she, she wants us to go out and ride bikes. So we, we go out and we, were, we got caught in a storm this time. And we were coming back and the storm just hit. We were coming back. We were actually coming the other direction, coming into town, kind of right uh, near that Reptile Gardens area. And the, the winds were coming so strong, I was driving like this, but my bike was going like this. And, and so, um, you know, I, I slowed down and we stopped, right? We stopped on the side of the road and, um, and it was raining hard. No, Deanna just needs to come up and tell the story. <laughs> She's saying no. <laughs> what am I saying wrong? Yeah, there was no place to, yeah. And so we just, you know, we looked ahead. It was like, we're only miles from town. Let's keep on going. So we kept on going. And we were going up the hill just after passing uh, Reptile Gardens. We were going up. And again, uh, my bike just started going sideways. I was driving straight. It goes, starts going sideways. And so I slowed down to probably about 35 miles per hour. But when, this time when, when, my, when my tires hit where the gravel started on the side of the road, my bike just went like that. And so I, I could kind of see that it was coming. So I just like nicely landed on my feet and Deanna just rolled, um, ended up rolling down the ditch and it was a long ways down. Um, I, I, was, um, uh, I was in shock. There was a lot of, there's a funny part to the story, but we're not gonna tell the whole story this morning. You'll have to ask us later. Um, <laughs> we, we went to Susan and we, we got some muscle relaxers and everything was good. Um, but you know, that's the power of wind, it can take you, you're trying to drive straight and it'll just push you off the road. And so we, we were there, you know, some, some of you love the water. You've been out in the water and maybe, maybe you, you know the power of the wind that the wind yields because you're out in your boat and you get out in the middle of, of the lake and there's a storm that happens, especially if you've ever been on a sailboat. If you've ever been on a sailboat and, and it's the power of the wind that propels you forward, which is great, but it also can become a bit much when the wind really kicks up, right? So I've got a video I'm gonna show in just a second. Um, if we could get ready and hit the lights, I want everybody to see this. I, I got a, a short video that highlights what it is like to pair the sailboat with the power of the wind and the seas. And I think you might enjoy it, but as you watch, I want you to pay attention to the wind, okay? Watch this. Audio. some things that you noticed about the wind watching that? Strength. Strength. There's power in the wind, right? Anything else? 
danger. <laughs> so what I love about, you know, watching um, a video like that, if you ever just, just hear the sound of the wind, it just kind of like distorts the microphone. It's, it's like, right? And then somebody falls over, um, you know, but even with just the audio, you can tell that these guys are in big wind and you can tell that there's inertia happening that's moving these guys along. And God wants us to experience that same thing in our life, maybe without so many head bonks, but, um, <laughs> but his, what the Holy Spirit wind would do would be to propel us forward. That's what Holy Spirit does. He propels us forward. It's an important, and it's important what our lives look like, but it's also important what our lives feel like as we know God is in the sail of my life and the story of my life. And he's moving me in ways that I could not move by myself. Now, you all know we can get in the boat and, and move it by our own uh, power and strength. We can do the work. We can get the paddles and we can do our best and we can get the thing moving, right? But there's something altogether different what happens when our captain raises the sail. And you just feel the wind kind of, and you take off. And, and once it gets set in the right direction, you will feel the inertia and the power of the wind. And you will know right away something is happening that is bigger than ourselves, right? And so God wants that for his church and he wants it for you. You know, last, last series when we came at Acts, we were kind of giving us the picture of the flaming era. This time we're coming at it with the picture of the wind. Both of them were used to describe Holy Spirit. So he wants us to live a powerful life. Why? Because we've got a big mission and a big mandate. What are the mission and the mandate? It's not to show up here once a week. That's definitely not it. It's to be witnesses of the resurrection power of Jesus to everybody in our city. That's it. To everybody in the surrounding area, to everybody in the world, to, to even people that we may or may not agree with. Hello? And to the ends of the earth. And God knows to do that, we're gonna need a power source that is bigger than ourselves. And that all happens on the day of Pentecost. I love this chapter two, verse one. This is what it says. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled. Now, why is it called Pentecost? A couple of things here, just backstory before we jump in. There are several festivals in the life of the Jewish faith. And one of them was Passover, which had just happened when Jesus died and he was buried and resurrected um, from the dead. And it happened over the celebration of the Passover feast. 50 days later, is another big feast, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. So think about this with me. Jesus is alive and he's here on earth for 40 days. And for 40 days, he's proving the resurrection. He's clarifying the mission of the church. And then at the end of 40 days, chapter one says, um, while they're watching again, eyewitnesses saw Jesus go back into heaven, right? So now they're under orders. And what did he tell them to do? He said, wait, how, how long are we supposed to wait? Well, it turns out they only had to wait 10 days because from the 40th day when Jesus went into heaven, Pentecost is only 10 days. So 10 days they're waiting. Who are they in the story? Um, you know, it's the disciples minus Judas, um, plus some of the other men who were followers of the inner circle, some of the ladies that um, had been along and supporting Jesus and helping with the ministry. Maybe a hundred or so uh, of, of the believers now are in a place together in the, with the, the mission of reaching uh, the whole world, but waiting for the power that Jesus had promised. And so in verse one, it says, on the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, on the 50th day, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Can we just say that together? They were gathered in one place. Destiny, I need you just a little bit stronger. Can we say it all together? They were gathered in, yeah. That's an essential idea for what we're gonna see over the next few weeks together. That's why connect groups are so important to us as a body, the classes, getting together face-to-face, -to -face. being in a face-to-face -face community is so vital in the body of Christ. So suddenly they heard what? The sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from outside, from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering it was all anyone could bear. Can you imagine that sound of the wind? It was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes and it separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each of them. They were all filled and equipped 
with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Uh, Verse five says, now at that time, there were Jewish worshipers who had emigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. Why, why? Because it was the Feast of Weeks. And so um, it, was, it was one of the high and holy feasts of the Jewish faith and people had been dispersed through persecution and through other nations, you know, taking them captive and over the centuries. So the Jewish people were constantly being pushed out of their homeland. They were refugees, if you will, all over the known world. And it's estimated that were, there were probably four to five million Jews that were living around the world at that time. And so as many as possible would want to get back to Jerusalem for Passover. And so they would like to get back to Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks. And so in, on Pentecost, Jerusalem, a town where normally there'd be somewhere uh, between anywhere between 20,000 and 100,000 people on a typical day, on a general day, possibly had a million people in the city on this day. That's what they're guessing. And so this is a good day if you're God Almighty and you have a sovereign plan, right? This is a good day. And you want to pour out your spirit on your sons and daughters to prophesy and to announce the, the launch of the kingdom purpose of heaven and the story of Jesus to the entire world. An excellent day to do that would be on the date where the whole world was really kind of converging already in the city uh, where you're going to hatch your plan. And so God is strategic and Holy Spirit is strategic in accomplishing the purposes and the plans of God. So it says, when the people heard, when the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from stunned over what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her language. Bewildered, they said to one another, aren't these all Galileans? So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages? That would be, it would be as if there's a big gathering happening right here in the Black Hills. Oh, I don't know, let's say a bike rally. (laughs) And people started to hear all these different languages. And you know, wait a minute, I thought he was from Texas. How How are they speaking Mandarin? Right? Or how is this guy speaking Italian fluently? Because, you know, how are they speaking all these languages? I know they're not from around the world. I can tell that they're from the Midwest. You know, I saw him drive in. Look at his license plate. You know, or, you know, as we read in the book of Acts, it says, aren't they all from Galilee? Aren't they all from around here? And then the explanation comes. It says, it's the work of the spirit of God doing something supernatural to show the world what it's like when the wind comes in the sails of the church. And the mission of God begins to be accomplished on planet earth. And so to sum up chapter two, um, we already did this in the first uh, run through this series, but just really quick, number one, the promised Holy Spirit was given. You You can get all this in a recap, by the way, you know, the first part of this series, we'll link to it in this week's email and get it up on all of our socials. But if you missed it, give it a listen and it'll give you all of this context. Just to summarize today, the the promised spirit was given, a supernatural sign followed, and then there was this prophetic explanation that happened. So immediately Peter stands up because people are like, what is going on? And how are all these people, you know, talking in these languages? What's the deal here? And so Peter stands up and he says, oh, you know, this is what Joel prophesied a hundred years ago when he said, in the last days, the spirit is going to be poured out on all mankind and all the sons and the daughters are going to prophesy. And it's happening. People, it's happening right now. This is what God has promised from long ago. He stands up and he says that. And following this prophetic explanation, the gospel is preached in power. And so when the gospel is preached for the first time in the power of Holy Spirit, there's an explosion of repentance, turning to God and faith. And following that, there's an explosion of salvation. And so the believers were woven into the church and they were woven into community. And all of this happens in Acts chapter two. The promised Holy Spirit was given. There's a supernatural expression of that. There's a prophetic explanation of what God is doing in the gospel for the very first time is proclaimed in the unction of the Holy Spirit. And Peter now, he's got more courage than he's ever had. He's got more focus and clarity. And and he has the Holy Spirit giving him words in his message of Jesus and faith and conviction as he's sharing, which just sweeps through the crowd. And then a church is born before this chapter is even over. The thing that, you know, we're a part of today is born in Acts 2. And before it comes to an end, it's born. Before the first day ends, before the first day is over, how exciting. 
So, you know, the community that we're a part of today, the church is born right on day one and people are woven together into a family, a place where they can belong, uh, faith that they can believe. And we're all a part of that story sitting here today. And so there were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. And although I wasn't there on the third day, I certainly have seen the power of Jesus to transform my life. And, and so they had this clear mission and the mandate to take the story to the whole world. They were filled with Holy Spirit so that there was a supernatural wind in their lives. And they were knit into a family called the church. And honestly, that's as simple as it is for us today. It's, it's really that simple, but the key to all of it is Holy Spirit. That's the key. Even seeing the resurrection with their own eyes wasn't enough to fill the mandate. It says the spirit in, in the mission, you're gonna, we are gonna need power from on high. Why? Because here's the thing. Number one, the spirit of self is strong, isn't it? The spirit of self is strong. So for the mission to be accomplished, we're gonna need Holy Spirit to transform the spirit of self into something else. And so anybody here ever experienced the decisive leadership of the spirit of self. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The infilling of the spirit of self. Yeah, we've had it. The, how about this? The miracle power of the spirit of self. <laughs> Has anybody ever experienced that before? Well, what does the spirit of self often lead us to? Self, it leads us to self, <laughs> which, has, which leads us to some pretty interesting places, right? Hello? So the mission is, therefore, go ye therefore to yourself. <laughs> Help yourself, love yourself, provide for yourself, protect yourself, bless yourself. Do not risk yourself. Do not put yourself in jeopardy. You know, do not do anything to compromise. You know, it's, it's okay if you share with that one neighbor because you communicate with that one neighbor and they put their faith in Jesus and hey, they got baptized. And so you're gonna tell that story probably for the next 40 years of your life. Oh yes, I did. I shared with Susie, you know, in the 10th grade. Absolutely. She had a meltdown. We were going over to a friend's house. I invited her to church. She came to the youth retreat. She got saved and I'm still hanging on to that. Now, 31 years later, she's my girl. When I get to heaven, she's going to be there waiting at the door. And now the rest of the billions of you people that, you know, uh, you can fend for yourself, but I've got Susie. She's my girl, <laughs> right? And so mostly the spirit of self leads to self. If, if we're gonna move out to people that we don't even like, can we just be honest for a second? The people that we don't even like, some people that we don't even love, and a lot of people that we don't even think deserve the grace of God, we're gonna need Holy Spirit to displace the spirit of self and inject the spirit of Jesus who did those very things for us, right? He loved us when we were unlovely, gave his grace when we didn't deserve it. And he reached out to us when a lot of people around us have maybe given up hope, right? If we're gonna have that kind of spirit, we're gonna need the Holy Spirit to do it through us. So the second reason why Holy Spirit is critical is that we're gonna, uh, we're gonna what we're going to do will not be easy. There is a war going on around us spiritually right? The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers and we are not living our faith in a vacuum, right? And so you do not have um, conversations with your coworker in a vacuum. And if you're a seeker today, uh, you're here this morning and, and God bless you for being here. If you're seeking Jesus or seeking faith or seeking answers, but you're not seeking those answers in a vacuum, and so there is a spiritual force at work that wants to keep you and me from the grace and the love and the mercy and the beauty and, and the glory of God. And Satan, the Bible says, he, he fell like a star out of heaven and rebelled against a God that he had experienced as an angel in heaven. And so if an angel in heaven, having seen the glory of God can fall away, then any one of us can slip. And if the enemy uh, does have spiritual authority and power on this earth for a short season of time, as we know it says through scriptures, then he is gonna try to take as many people as he can with him in the darkness. So see, we, we, we don't make our decisions about faith in a vacuum. We have an enemy at work. The enemy isn't the culture. It isn't our next door neighbors. It isn't you know, the country across the ocean. The enemy is the power of darkness and the spiritual forces of darkness, the prince of the power of the air, as he's called. And if we wanna take seriously our opportunity to take 
take the story of the resurrection of Jesus to the world, hello, we're not gonna be applauded on every corner. And so some countries are gonna say, if you bring that message in here, you're gonna go to jail. If you proclaim the name of Jesus in our town, we'll take your life. And so there will be corners of our society where you're not gonna be welcome to proclaim your faith in Jesus. Why? Because there's a spiritual war that's going on around us. And how are we gonna endure through the difficulty and the resistance? Because there's gonna be a God-sized wind in our sail (laughs) that pushes us through the waves and pushes us through the tide and pushes us through the storm and carries us forward with a power greater than ourselves. And so lastly, we're going to see in the book of Acts, and I, and I hate to throw a spoiler out, you know, so early in the series, I, I don't really want to ruin it for everybody, but everybody dies in the story. <laughs> Welcome to Acts. A, it's something that you do, and B, apparently it'll cost your life. You know, uh, Paul, one of the heroes of the story, ends up uh, in, in a Roman prison, and he ends up giving his life for the very gospel that we sing about today. And so how did he do that? Think about this. How do you go through a shipwreck? How do you go through nakedness? How do you go through being beaten up outside of town? How did he go back to the city when he came to his senses and he woke up? Well, I'm still alive. Hello. Yeah, I'm going to go back in there, and I'm going to preach. This is not the spirit of man. It's not the spirit of self. This is the spirit of God. And so suppose we're going to accomplish this mission. In that case, we know that it's not going to be an easy one. So we're going to need that kind of supernatural urgency in us and that kind of capacity in our lives. But the payoff is going to be extraordinary. And so the whole world right now is riveted to what is happening in Afghanistan. The the, the Taliban seized power with uh, fighters entering the presidential palace and gunshots broke out um, at Kabul's airport as thousands are trying to flee the country and the collapse of the the Afghan government creates this uncertain future um, for civilians and, and a lot of challenges for the US and our involvement there. And this is the situation that is life and a situation that is death and it's cost life for someone that's willing to enter into that situation that's fraught with danger. In a moment um, that has been filled with urgency, many of us have been keeping abreast and you know, the pulse of the situation. We've been seeing the news coming out every single day. We know that people are dying and we understand that this is an emergency and we're not fully sure how America is gonna respond and we know that time is running out and there is a global sense of urgency in this moment. The whole world is watching, right? And so listen, the Holy Spirit of God puts a global sense of urgency in people like you and me, and he filled them on the day of Pentecost. That's what happened. And all of a sudden, the church realizes and is filled with this sense there's an entire world out there who has never one time heard of the songs of grace that we sang today. And there's a world out there that has never heard about a savior who would rescue them, not on their merit and effort, but on his merit and effort. And there is a world out there that thinks God is against them and not for them. And we have a sense of urgency now. We have this sense and we're willing to pay the cost and the price to go on a rescue mission. Why? Because there's a wind in our sail. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit wasn't so that we can sit around a campfire and sing Kumbaya or sit in a comfortable chair, you know, inside of a sanctuary on a Sunday morning. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to put inertia in our lives. To push us so that the transformed, that transformed by his power, we can move out in confidence to the people of the earth. And we see this very same thing happened on the day of Pentecost, an outpouring of the promised Holy Spirit. There is an explosion of turning to Jesus in faith through a church that is strengthened day by day as people are knit together in family and in community. And the results were extraordinary. So, and I wanna highlight just two main results of the Holy Spirit coming to church on the day of Pentecost. Number one, there was a seismic shift. There was a seismic shift in our lives so that transformed by his power, we could move out again in confidence to the people of earth and see the very same things that happened on the day of Pentecost, right? There's a seismic shift in the spiritual climate of the city. It wasn't like, well, I think somebody put their faith in Jesus today. There was a tremor. There was a tremor that could be measured on the Richter scale. There was some shakes going on. That happened on day one. 
on, on Pentecost. So listen what it says towards the end of the chapter, beginning verse 38. It says, Peter replied, and he said, repent and return to God. And each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one to have your sins removed. Then you may take hold of the gift of Holy Spirit. For God's promise of Holy Spirit is for you and for your families, for those yet to be born, and for everyone for whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So Peter preached to them and he warned, uh, and he warned them with these words, be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of this world. And then look at the result. Those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000. They were all baptized. So this was an all-in moment. It, it wasn't like, you know, if you want to put your faith in Jesus today, then go to the baptism class and come back in a year or something. You know, this was an all-in full life response to eyes being open to the person in the work of Jesus. It says, those who believed the word that day need numbered 3,000 and they were all baptized and added to the church. Now that's revival. And that's, that's a really great day for the usher that's trying to count the people in the church that morning, right? When you've got your first day of the church and 3,000 people get saved and baptized, that's amazing. I mean, how do you even baptize 3,000 people spontaneously on the spot in a city that's never done this before? <laughs> I mean, even if you planned for it, it'd be a spectacle. Everybody piling out to the rivers all around the town. I mean, how did it even happen? And now the buzz and the energy that's created in the city because 3,000 people have come to life from death are now woven into this brand new eternal family. And in one day, there was this seismic shift that happened in the city. <laughs> it's just below where we start reading before where it said they all heard them speaking in their own languages. It says a little bit later than that in the city, verse nine, we are Northeastern Iranians, Northwestern Iranians, Elamites, and those from Mesopotamia, Judea, East, uh, East Central Turkey, the coastal areas of the Black Sea, Asia, North Central Turkey, Southern Turkey, Egypt, Libyans who are neighbors of Cyrene, visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. So when this message was proclaimed and these 3,000 people's hearts were open to faith. People just didn't get saved from Jerusalem. People got saved from all over the known world. And if all of those places and cultures just sound a little, uh, you know, a bit confusing, all you have to do is Google, you know, who were all the people in Jerusalem on Pentecost and they'll come up with this list. And all these places that we just, um, you know, represented here in scripture, all, it represented all the known world at that time all these places that, that, that we just read in that list, all of Iran, all of what we know to be Afghanistan, all that's in the Middle East, all of the Arabian Peninsula, Egypt, and over into Africa, as far as Libya, Rome, the epicenter of the civilization, Crete, it's in the middle of the Mediterranean, all of what is Asia Minor and Turkey and all of Judea, that was every kind of person, hello? <laughs> every kind of person, every culture, hello? Every language, hello? All of them met Jesus on day one of the church. The church of Jesus was not born in America. And I love America. I love America and I love living in this land. It's not a perfect country and we're still working out injustices, but it is an amazing gift of God. And regardless, the church wasn't born in America. It wasn't born among Western white people. And, you know, it was Middle Easterners and Arabs and, you know, you know people speaking all the, all the language of what um, Iran and the Persian region would now be. People from all over, Turkey, from Africa. There was this global explosion of faith because a man named Jesus Christ. And so it wasn't an invention of America. It wasn't an invention of any man. It was the birthing of the Holy Spirit of God pouring out this story of grace on all people. God wants us to get a global mindset on day one of the church, the very first day. So I'm glad I got in it. I'm happy for you that you got in it and I'm delighted everybody gets in it. But God already told us on day one, everybody is in. <laughs> and so think about it, 3,000 people come to faith 
Not just in Jerusalem, but all the nations of the known world surrounding Jerusalem were touched. People were now going home with the story of Jesus to the whole world, even back to the epicenter of Rome, telling the gospel story. You won't believe it. People just started talking in my language. And it was like God comes and touches people with his supernatural power and does what only he could do. And they're proclaiming the story of Jesus. And I mean, they were talking. I'm telling you, these people were not from Rome. These people were from Galilee. I could tell by their accents, but they were talking perfect Italian. And I'm like, I don't know how you're talking Italian right now, but I'm understanding everything that you're telling me about Jesus. And so who is this Jesus? And then there was this guy that stood up. I think his name was Peter. And he started proclaiming from beginning to end the whole story of who Jesus was. And our eyes were opened. And so we knew what he was talking about when he was talking about Abraham. We knew Moses. We knew the law when he was talking about that. We've heard all that before, but now it all makes sense. It's culminated in this person whose name is Jesus. And he was resurrected from the dead. And he is the atoning sacrifice of our sins. And my eyes were open. My heart was open and I was in tears. And I said, God, I want you and God, I need you. And I was baptized right in that moment. And I received the power of the Holy Spirit. And I can sense a difference in my life. And there is wind in my sails. (laughs) Can you picture that? (laughs) And on day one, The gospel had reached the world. There was this seismic shift. And I don't know really how to quantify all of, of, you know, what the experts say, but I've heard this many times and I've read this many times from those who study the church and study church history. And it's actually been part of the conversation as we're gearing towards, you know, Will Graham and the big uh, convention that's coming here in town and the evangelistic outreach. It is said that if 10% of the people in any city have a genuine conversion of faith in Jesus and they come alive from the dead in Christ and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to move in the purpose of God in their life and, and move out of the spirit of self and move into the Holy Spirit, if 10% of a city experiences that kind of life change, then the city will move into revival. So let's get practical. Our last census numbers for Rapid City put us at 75,258. So that means we need to have 7,525 people in our city to reach that percentage. Okay, 7,525 people. And, you know, attending church is excellent. I, you know, I believe in it. (laughs) I'm glad you're here. But we're believing for more than that. We're believing for them to also be filled with Holy Spirit and be on board with the purposes of God in their lives. And, and, you know, I look at our city and I can see it in my spirit that we're so close to a move of God. It, It is within reach for us to see a seismic shift in the city of Rapid City and to see a move into what the experts, you know, say is, you know, Reformation revival. We're not that far off. Now you would think, you know, that revival is when 100% of the people put their faith in Jesus. But think about it. Think, just think about this for a second. Think if there were 7,525 baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus followers tomorrow in this city. And what if all of those people, you know, sitting in a seat or a pew in the church this week when we're fully alive, Jesus followers. And then what happens is that number doubles in the next few weeks because that's just what Jesus does when the wind is in your sails. And, you know, think about the difference that you would feel in the Richter scale of heaven. Think about, you know, the difference in the soil of Rapid City so that there are many people in this city across denominational lines and across racial lines. And there's a lot of conversations even happening right now. The the youth event that happened last night over in the monument, you know, around this idea that we need to start moving with an urgency towards that 10%. No one church can do that. Everybody's got to come on board to see that become a reality. There has got to be a citywide movement for that to happen. But for us, For us, sitting in this room, in this church family, our first goal for us here at Destiny, if what if we what if we just threw a number out there that we're believing for right now to push towards that 10%? And what if I I I hate to I hate to say this even. I I I do not like what I'm about to say. What if 
What if our first goal, the first thing that we would push and move towards was just 0.005%? It seems like such a teeny tiny goal. I don't even like saying it. I've, I, I never in my life have said, boy, I, I, we just want to get to that 0.005% and then look out. <laughs> but our initial goal, what if we said right now is to move to a place where on the weekend, 0.005% of Rapid City would be at worship at Destiny Four Squirrel Church. And I'll tell you why. why. Why? Why would we want that? Why would we pursue that? Because I just think that it's that good. I believe, I believe that this is a great place to meet Jesus. And, and you know, I believe that Holy Spirit is in the house and, and that we have a house that loves to worship extravagantly. And I know that you can sit under the teaching of the word of God here. And I know that you can mess, meet some of the best people that you can ever meet. And you know, there's a place for you to belong here. There's a place for you to hold a door. There's a place for you to serve. There's a lunch table for you to sit at. You know, there's a connect group for you to belong to and get to know people. There's a fight club for you to join if you're men. If, you're, if you have a baby, there's a place for your uh, baby to bloom. If you're an engaged couple, there's a place to get hitched and married, right? That's a critical step. If you're a lady, there's a place for you to be planted. You know, if you like getting sweat on your brow for the sake of the gospel, we'll give you some tools and you can start moving some dirt and you can get your hands dirty. I believe in this house. And I think a good goal for us right now is that at least 0.005% of our city would be in destiny. That's 120th of that 10% that we could push towards in our city so that our church on any given weekend, we'd see 375 spirit-filled, wind in their wings, people worshiping at destiny. And you know what happens when you get that many people, it just doubles and it just doubles and that's what happens. And you might say, well, I don't think we're ready for 375 people to come to church. Well. Actually, yeah, that would put us at about 80% of our capacity in this room if we did two services on a Sunday morning. And it would be a little more work, but we'd be about 80% capacity in that scenario. And at that point, then it's time to start construction, right? It's time to plant a church. It's time to send people out. And that can all happen any day now, as soon as Holy Spirit puts an urgency in our hearts. And as soon as Holy Spirit opens up our hands from a self-focused plan to a mission-focused plan, and we really could accomplish that goal in a really brief time, and maybe our part in helping Rapid City get to that 10% is for Destiny Foursquare Church just to move towards that 375. It's a different mindset, and it's a seismic shift. And it's another way of looking at life. And it's another way of looking at church. And it's not saying, I'm glad I got a space. Oh, I'm so glad I got my seat this morning. I'm glad I got my parking space. I'm happy I made it into the gathering today. It's a man, there needs to be 7,525 people gathered on the weekend in this city. We've got to get a better, bigger building or plant a church or do something. This building is fantastic, and you know we've we've told the story a million times. But this is this is an old warehouse that wasn't designed to do what we're doing in here today. That this property that we're in is a, is a miracle story. But but I don't want to be content with yesterday's miracle. What if Holy Spirit's wind hits our sails? And suddenly we're moving faster and we have an urgency to proceed further. And we're thinking about going above and we're thinking about going beyond. My family has some urgency. Holy Spirit's put some wind in my sails. We want to see the church move forward. And I'm not content that I just got a seat. I'm not content. I'm only going to be satisfied when the city has a seat. I want to see what happened on Pentecost happen again. So do it again, Lord. And what happened on Pentecost was this. Number one, there was a seismic shift that happened. But number two, a church all of a sudden was functioning as a community of believers with a place and a purpose for every person. Don't you just love that? 
Don't, don't, don't ever disparage the explosive power of the gospel. Don't do it. Seek it. Long for it. Hope for it. Believe for it and pray for it. God, save my whole company. Save them all. God, save my cul-de-sac. Bring my whole family to you. God, save everybody in my Zumba class, right? Bring them all, God. Do a miracle. Holy Spirit, wind. Only you can do it. So the only explanation is this. God showed up. The wind of the Spirit blew. Lives were transformed. The gospel was proclaimed, hearts were opened and eyes were awakened and people, lots of people put their faith in Jesus. So don't ever disparage that. Please seek it and pray for it and long for it and want to be a part of it. But know that it will never happen at the expense of you having a place in God's family. Because God isn't an either or God when it comes to things like this. He's not like, well, I, I want a big church or, you know, I want Rochelle to feel like she has a place to belong. You know, oh man, that's a tough one because I definitely want her to have a place to belong. I love her and she needs, you know, to exercise that gift on something big that will, that will bring her the most life and, and, and she needs to know that she has a gift and she needs to know that she matters. So I kind of want to say, you know, give her a place to belong. But gosh, there's a million Rochelles that need to know about Jesus. So man, I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have to convene the angels and get the Trinity together and think about this and come back to you guys because this is really stumping me right now. No, he's God. He's water into wine God. And he says, yes, yes. The answer is yes to that question. Yes, I would like millions of Rochelles to come to faith and I want every single one of the million to have a place to belong. And no organization on earth can do that except the church of Jesus. So 3,000 people got saved. Now watch what follows. It says the following words. Every believer was faithfully devoted to the following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked together. They showed up and they gathered together under the word of God, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone and the apostles performed many miracles, signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, every, enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. He said, here's my plan. I want 3,000 people to get saved and I'm gonna put them all into homes and families and relationships under the teaching and the preaching of the word of God and I'm gonna have them all experience God's power in their lives. You'll be amazed at what God's doing in and through their lives, all sharing in common what they have, all meeting each other's needs, not, listen, not offloading benevolence to the organization of the church. Nope, they were the benevolence plan. They were the care ministry. They were the pastoral network. You can look at your next door neighbor and meet the needs of the person sitting right next to you as well as any sing every single one of us can. And so this is the beauty of the church. It's the beauty of God. It's a big plan, but it's not too big for you to have a place in it. And without Holy Spirit, it doesn't work. None of it works without Holy Spirit. You either end up in some big organizational machine that is just trying to get people saved and it, and it works like clockwork or you end up with some little group or gathering and it's like all six of us huddled together and you know, having our 47th Bible study together and I just don't want anybody else to come because I like our group the way it is. Probably not a lot of Holy Spirit in either of those scenarios. But when the wind is in the sail, explosive growth happens and people feel like they belong at the same time. And this is what we're aiming for at Destiny. I'm getting ready to close. We want to be an Acts 2 church. We want to be a place where the city has a seismic shift and where every single Rochelle has a place to belong and a place of purpose and a place where she knows she fits and has a home. And this is the work that God wants to do. Amen. And so Jesus's life and the reason that we exist is to introduce people to him and for his glory. He's the headline. Amen. 
Amen. And so I would like to believe and I would like to invite you to believe with me that we would fill this place, not for our purposes, but for kingdom purposes. We'd, why don't we just start there tiny and ask God for that? You know, if anything, it's a reminder that we're on a mission. It's a reminder that we're on a mission. And today is just an encouragement that we're never gonna fulfill that mission apart from Holy Spirit, apart from him working in us. So I ask you today, do you know him and do you know uh, who he is? We worship God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the operational power for the mission and the transformation that happens is calling us to, it comes from Holy Spirit indwelling in us and bringing the fullness of Christ to bear in us for the glory of God the Father. And so I ask you today, do you know Jesus? And maybe that's the most important question of all, but do you know that when Jesus comes in, you also receive Holy Spirit's power? So it's not just intellectual today. Oh, I know that there's a Holy Spirit. It's experiential. Today I'm in relationship with Holy Spirit and he is actually empowering and guiding and uh, filling and leading my life so that Christ can be known in me and that the world can hear the story of the finished work of Jesus. The unfinished work of this church and every church today is to share the finished work of Jesus. And Holy Spirit is available today to to you, to give you power for your personal transformation and to provide you with fuel for your place in the gospel story. So Holy Spirit's objective in life isn't to make you weird. Holy Spirit uh, wants to make you powerful, amen. So why don't you stand um, with me if you can and let's pray. Father God, we just ask you before we close this time this morning, baptize us in your power. Baptize us in your power. Fill us, Holy Spirit, and do what only you can do because really there's, there are things that you have purpose for us to do that we cannot do without you. So fill us, move in us, God, take us to the places that you need us to go. God, I pray that we would just start our day asking you to move, asking your holy wind to blow us to the places that maybe we wouldn't go without the inertia of Holy Spirit kind of pushing us forward. So blow in our lives, be present in our lives, be real in our lives, fill us up and do what only you can do. God, we know what we can do, but do what only you can do. So God, I pray that wherever we go, you'd go with us and you would be healing people. You'd be giving people peace because that's what you do. That you'd be the comforter in people's lives as we walk into the room, that we'd bring joy in your presence, your fullness, your life. That's what you can do. So fill us up, Lord. Fill us up, baptize us. Lord, give us another language to speak when we don't know how to pray. You would give us the words to speak. Lord, that you would fill our mouths with a perfect prayer that only you can pray through us. God, do the miraculous. God, do that. Do that. Fill us up. Fill us up and stir us up that we wouldn't be a church that's content, Lord, until the whole city has a seat. God, we thank you for your power and for your purpose in this place today. Amen.